Uh, just before we uh, introduce our guest speaker this morning, uh, I'd like to ask the ushers if they would like to pass out some Bibles. Anybody who would like uh, to use a Bible during the service, uh, if you didn't pick one up or you didn't bring one, we would love to uh, hand some out. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1 this morning, so slip up your hand if you'd like uh, a Bible. Let me introduce you to our guest speaker. His name is John Khalil, and John is my son-in-law. And uh, John um, also served with me in ministry for 11 and a half years as our pastor of student ministries. And when he first took that job, it was a very small student ministry, not much organization. And uh, through those years, he grew it to one of the largest um, ministries in the Evangelical Free Church in our state and uh, was very involved at the district level and at the national level for the uh, Evangelical Free Church. And then John left us and went to California for four years uh, in Yorba Linda. And John is current in a, in a pastor of student ministries role. And John is currently in the business sector. And uh, he's involved in ministry in his church. He works with student ministries in his church. And he also is involved in a kind of a 20-somethings ministry called The Branch. So, John, I'm glad you're here. And uh, please come and share with us today. Thanks. Well, um, it's good to be here. Merry Christmas. I was a little nervous. Everybody was sitting so far back. I thought maybe my father-in-law still spit on the crowd when he spoke. But apparently he's, he's not that bad anymore. You know, it's great to be here. It's Christmas, you guys. It's Christmas morning, right? So Merry Christmas. All right, good. Uh, kids, anybody's parents make you wait till after I'm done preaching to open your gifts? No? Okay, good. So you can wait for a little bit. All right, because I, I don't want to make you too anxious because that would make me very anxious if I had to wait till after I was done because I'd probably go for like an hour or so. It's kind of the California thing. And, um, but I won't because my wife will say land the plane or wrap it up. So, so I have good direction. But, you know, it is great to be here. I, it's amazing, actually, because... You know, a few years back when Jerry was leaving Stoughton and Jerry and Sue were, we were trying to get them to come to California and, um, and uh, they didn't and they felt called to, to church plant. And I thought, that's crazy. You don't want to go to church plant. That's like hard, you know, and, um, and there's nothing there. You know, you just start with nothing. And, and here I am, I got to come last week and I get to come today, obviously, and see a church. That is so cool, and um, I'm very proud of my in-laws, and I'm very um, thankful for the kingdom being advanced in Eau Claire through the bridge, and uh, that's, that's an amazing thing, and it's, um, it's awesome to see firsthand. So um, I'm, I'm excited to be here on Christmas morning, and you know, I thought about it, you know, churches are packed on, on Easter, but when Christmas falls on a Sunday, we're wondering, will anybody be there? Kind of interesting thought, isn't it? But, you know, that's kind of how it is. And, um, and so today what I want to do is I want to take kind of a different look at, at Christmas. I want to take a perspective um, from Joseph. And, uh, and, you know, I got to play Joseph my first year of marriage. And uh, it's a hard role. Because you have to stand there and, and look like you really like this plastic baby. And, and um, you know, so I, I got to play Joseph, and my wife was Mary. And then years down the line, my daughter Zoe, she was Jesus. Um, it's a little confusing, female Jesus. But anyway, she was very cute Jesus. Um, 
But, you know, it, it is a role, and I just want to introduce you to a video here just to get you thinking about the perspective of Joseph's perspective of Christmas. So let's roll it. You know, Joseph's perspective is, uh, is one I don't know if we investigate very often, but I just think about, you know, he used the word stepfather to the son of God. I mean, could you imagine? I mean, we, today in our culture, we have lots of different kinds of families, blended families, and, um, you know, the, the family nucleus is not what it used to be, let's just say. But here, Joseph, in his time, there was nothing like this, where a man... Uh, would take another man's child um, and raise it. Not, not in this situation, not before he'd even married this woman. And yet, Joseph had this interesting um, trail or path that he was going to have to walk. You know, the circumstances for Joseph were amazing. And what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about how he reacted and how he responded and how that should affect us as we, as we walk and as we have different trails and different paths in our life. And, you know, today I want to I look at the fact that the circumstances, uh, Joseph's world is just rocked. Let's look at Matthew 1, verses 18. And I just want to read through the story, and then we're going to break it down. The story is this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was, found, uh, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had it in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph... Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he was given the name Jesus. I don't know about you, but have you ever, um, for me, I've had my world rocked. And uh, I'm going to just share a little bit personally. You know, Jerry mentioned that I was in ministry for basically you know, 17 or so years. And now I'm in the marketplace. And uh, the shift from ministry to the marketplace was not where I got my world rocked. It was about five years into the marketplace working and um, having felt like I was doing well and I had um, achieved a lot in five years. And I went on vacation and I came home and uh, my first morning back to the job, I got laid off. My world was rocked. Um, I didn't know what to do. I'd only had one job in the marketplace. People in uh, churches don't look for ministers that have not been in churches. And if I was going to go get a job in the church, you don't do that fast. I didn't have much time. 
and I didn't know what, what to do. How do I respond to my world being rocked? You know, one of the things Jerry mentioned that I was teaching student ministries, and at that time I would help some on Sunday mornings, but mainly my main ministry was on Wednesday nights. I would teach a high school house. Now, we go to a pretty large church, and so the high school ministry on Wednesday nights, they would have the small groups met in homes, and they would meet by high schools, so multiple high schools, and there'd be a house that I would teach, and then they would break into small groups, and they would, you know, do application and just spend time in growth groups. Well, um, I did that for three years. So I got laid off in August, and um, September's coming around, and pretty much the only thing I have planned in my schedule at this point is to teach on Wednesday nights. And one day, the high school pastor calls me, and he goes, hey, um, you know, we're going to change how we're doing Wednesday nights, and, um, you know, we don't need you to teach on Wednesday nights. I was like, wow, I just got laid off. And I just got laid off again. And it was like, this is crazy, because that was like one of the things that I could do that I felt like had purpose, and it kept me going, and I was bummed. I remember calling my wife going, I just got fired again. She's like, you don't have a job. And I'm like, well, from teaching. And uh, it was it was tough. And then a few months later, well, I guess a month later or so, I was having coffee. I was trying to start a business, and I was having coffee with a friend, a uh, former student ministries guy, and and we were talking, and he was telling me he's 20, you know, 23 at the time, 24, and he was telling me how um, he was really struggling to connect to a church. And I was like, well, you know, why? You know, he's like, well, you know, it's like there's just not a church for my age. You know, there, I was in junior high, high school ministries, college ministries. I graduated college. I'm not married. I don't have kids. And it's like I'm in this gap in the church. I'm like, well, have you tried other churches? Yeah, I've tried them all. I'm like, so what are you doing? He goes, well, sometimes we just watch church on, on the computer on Sunday mornings. I'm like, who's we? He goes, well, I've got a lot of friends in the same boat. I'm like, really? That's, that's strange. I, you know, I, I go, I'd love to meet these people. And so from that, you know, we met and um, we started talking and we decided, hey, let's start a Bible study. And it was me and six guys that first night in November. Um, it was the first Sunday in November of 2010. And at that point, I'm like, you know what? I could teach every week because I don't have to teach on Wednesday nights and I don't have a job. So I'm pretty available. And, uh, and it was just amazing how God started to work some things out. And I didn't totally understand you know, what was happening. But it just seemed like as things were rolling, there seemed to be purpose. And I think we're going to see that in Joseph's story. So what I want to look at is the big idea today is this, is doing it right does not guarantee us from life's interruptions. A lot of times we feel like when we're doing the right thing, we're making right decisions, everything should roll smooth. Now, I'm not against doing the right thing. I'd encourage you to do the right thing. But I don't want us to think that just because we do the right thing, we're entitled to an easier life. Because I felt like I was doing the right things in August of 2010, and I was working hard, and I was putting in my hours, and I was trying to make good decisions, and, and then I got laid off. 
See, because a lot of times we feel like, you know, if somebody, if things are going downhill in somebody's life, I, I don't know about you, but I know that sometimes I'll hear people kind of consider, well, maybe that person's reaping, you know, what they're sowing or, or they're having consequences for the decisions they've made. You know, I, we can get kind of um, caught up in, you know, we do certain things and then we have certain kind of karma. You know what I mean? I don't really believe in karma. But often when we look at the right thing and we expect a certain outcome, doing the right thing equals a certain outcome, we're really believing in karma. But God might have a, a, a desire to interrupt our lives like he did Joseph's life. If you look at verse 19, it says this. It says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. Okay, he was faithful to the law. He, he did the right thing. He obeyed. He submitted to God's authority in his life. He, you know, he, he followed the rules. He was faithful to all, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. You know, he, he's looking, okay, Mary, she got knocked up. You know, she had went away to her aunt's Elizabeth's house and came back, and it was noticeable that she was pregnant. It was found out, verse 18 says. And he's like, I've got a decision to make. See, he was deciding, he's like, you know, if I, if I don't expose her to public disgrace, you know, I'm going to do this quietly. You see, by doing that as a righteous man, he could keep his righteousness and his compassion intact. See, because he could have, you know, exposed her and she could have, you know, it could have gone to execution where she would have been stoned to death because of the situation. I mean, this wasn't taken lightly. I mean, in today's day and age, we're used to teenagers getting pregnant out of wedlock. That wasn't so common. Didn't happen to righteous people in this day and age that we're looking at. So, you know, he, he, was, he was righteous. He was doing the right thing. He was faithful to the law. And he was deciding, how can I do this so that I, can, I continue to be righteous, but at the same time, I'm compassionate to Mary. So I'm going to do it quietly. See, I couldn't imagine being Joseph. What would I expect if my wife, that, my fiance, basically a wife, because they were promised to each other for a year, that where they would basically get engaged and they were called husband and wife. But after that year, during that year, they would live, the woman with her parents, the man with his parents. And then after a year, they would, they would come together into their own home. The groom and his groomsmen would go to the bride's house and her and her, her, bride, her bridesmaids would be brought back to their home. But you see, they were in that year and, and he had to make a decision. See, our decisions send us down certain paths. And what I want to look at is I want to look at the idea that our decisions send us down a path and are we sure about that decision. 
Are we sure about that direction? Because a lot of times we can make decisions and feel pretty good about them. Have you ever done that where you make a decision and you're feeling real great about it and then all of a sudden it's like, hmm, maybe that wasn't the best decision. Things might have changed. You know, um, I've been there. <laughs> I've done that. You know, when I, when I was working that first job out of ministry and I had been escalated in positions and my, my pay had increased and we had made financial decisions that, that went along with that. And then all of a sudden there's no pay. And then there's no jobs that pay anything like that. See, our decisions send us down a path. Whether we, whether we understand it or not, when we make a decision, there's going to be a direction that comes from that. And, and are we sure about that direction? I mean, Joseph, he was contemplating. If you look at verse 20, it says this. says, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David. Okay, um, this is big because, you know, he... Here, you know, Joseph, he's contemplating, I'm going to leave her quietly. He goes to sleep. An angel visits him and addresses him, Joseph, son of David. Now, this is, this is very important because just by that phrase, Joseph, son of David, Joseph's role in, in God coming as a man in the form of Jesus has now been magnified. It's been escalated because there was, a, there was a need because of fulfillment of prophecy, there was a need that Jesus would come from the house of David, that the Messiah would come from the house of David. And Joseph was that connection. He says, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Now, I couldn't imagine. What would it be like for this man that's done everything right? His fiance is pregnant. And at this point, it's got to be from some other man. I mean, he's, she, I'm sure that she's told him, you know, her story. I had this angel visit me and he said the Holy Spirit would come upon me and I would be with the child. I went to see Elizabeth and the baby in her stomach jumped. I mean, th this is crazy stuff. I mean, this has got it, you know, and Joseph's probably on, hmm, do I want to be a part of this? Do I want to take this woman home to be my wife? Do I want this to be part of my story? Because I could just divorce her quietly and back off from this situation. He had that choice. There was nothing wrong with him doing that. In fact, for a person that was faithful to the law, that was the right thing to do. Are we sure about what direction our choices and our decisions are taking us? In the dream, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because... What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
Nobody would know that. Nobody would believe that. Nobody would understand that. I mean, it's easy for us to read the story and understand it. It's hindsight. We, you know, we've been celebrating this for years. But they're living this out. Nobody knows this. This is new information to them. They're put in a situation where there's going to be embarrassment and ridicule and people talking about them behind their backs. Could you imagine the talks that happened at the well when the women's went for wa- when the women went to get water? Oh, that Mary man. She's not even her she cheated on Joseph. What a slut. I don't know if you can say that in church, but I mean, I'm sure they had those kinds of words going on. Can you believe her? And Joseph, he's acting all righteous. You know, Joseph had a big decision to make. What his decision, you know, was he going to be good? Was he going to be sure about that direction? Second is our decisions may need a big picture view. Are we good with not knowing the future? Our decisions, um, it's really hard because a lot of times we're making our decisions based on what's right in front of us. What we know, but there's lots we don't know. We don't know the future. We don't know how that's going to play out. Look at verse 21. It says this, it says, She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. What does that mean to him? I mean, because what they knew of the Messiah or what they thought of the Messiah was going to be this, this political or military leader that was going to deliver Israel from the hands of the Romans. So if he was really thinking about this and thinking about this big picture, that would be what he had imagined this son would be. But how's that going to happen, being the son of a carpenter? See, he didn't have the big picture. He didn't understand what this entailed. He didn't know the future. Are we good with the future? I mean, if God's going to interrupt our lives and we're going to make a decision um, saying, all right, God, this is the big picture. I don't totally see it. I don't totally get it, but I'm good with it. You're going to do what you do. I mean, because that's kind of where Joseph was. I mean, he's still in this dream. He could still wake up and go, I'm out of here. I'm not doing this. I don't know what it means that he's going to save our people. I'm not sure I'm good with being a part of that. You know, this is such a huge point that at this, at this point in the passage in verse 22, Matthew kind of goes off onto his own little side note to kind of describe what's happening, how, how prophecy is being fulfilled through this. And, um, and he says, all this took place to fulfill, the, uh, to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son 
and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, where's that from? Does anybody know? Question answer time? I didn't think I'd ask you a question, did he? He's talking about Isaiah 7, verse 14. We're very familiar with that, right? Because, you know, we always quote that. Like, if you've ever seen any Christmas pageant, it's, it's in there, right? 17, verse seven, verse, uh, chapter 7, verse uh, 14 in Isaiah, and it says this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Right? Are we, shake your head. You remember that? You've heard that before? You're awake? Okay. When a verse starts with therefore, that means you need to read what's before it. This is kind of an interesting deal because Ahaz was the king of Judah and they were under attack and things weren't going too well for them. And Isaiah and his son in, in this chapter are going to tell him, hey, get ready, you know, God's going to deliver you. And they go through this whole thing, you know, getting ready. In verses uh, 7, it says, yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. This is Isaiah and his son telling Ahaz, it will not take place, it will not happen for the head of... Um, Aram uh, is, for the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only Razin. Within 65 years, Ephraim, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only, you know, it just goes on, and a lot of this I'm not going to sit and explain. If you do not understand firm, in your, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. And again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, King Ahaz, and he says, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. King Ahaz, his response. I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Okay. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, what was happening here is Ahaz, he didn't, it wasn't that he trusted God so much that he didn't want a sign. It was that he didn't want to give God that power of authority over him of what's going to happen and what the direction's going to be and, and uh, how things are going to end up. That God had to, you know what, here's the sign. Therefore, since you're like this and this is all happening, therefore, here's the sign. See, often when we look at the big picture, um, we're not too sure that we want to give God that same power and authority to be good with the future. Our decisions may look foolish to others. That's the other thing that we got to understand. Our decisions, they may look full, uh, foolish to others. And are we willing to take that chance? I mean, Joseph, he's in this dream. He's being told. Matthew's kind of describing it. You know, that's an afterthought. That might have been part of the dream. Most likely it wasn't. And Joseph has to wake up from that dream and do something. You know, often when God's asking us to change directions or to go down a different path or something's going to happen differently and we make that decision, it's going to look foolish to other people. 
especially to people um, that, that don't have spiritual leadership in their life, and often to people that do. Verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Now, he didn't wait for the one-year period. He went and took care of her. And what does that say to their community? He violated all customs. What did that say to the other ladies at the well? What did that say to the other men in his business place? What did it say to their families? Are we willing to make decisions that might make us look foolish in front of other people? I mean, that was Joseph's perspective. You know, just because we do the right thing doesn't mean we're going to have a life that's uninterrupted. Often when God interrupts our life, he does amazing things when we decide we're going to follow through. You know, this last couple of years, has been, they've been tough. But at the same time, the pressure and the tension in life is a lot less. Uh, I get to lead this group called The Branch. Um, they, you know, it's Sunday nights. I don't know, if th- those of you that work Monday through Friday, you totally know what you want to do on Sunday night. You want to go to sleep, right? But when you meet with 25-year-olds, they don't like to sleep. So you go and you meet with them, and you're tired getting there, and you teach, and you have discussion, and you hang with them, and it just, it's so life-giving, it's so much so that, you know, even if we stay there late and we come home, it's like we're wired and we can't go to sleep. I mean, those things came out of, that's come out of going through this, this life interruption. Here's the bottom line. The bottom line is this, is sometimes, uh, well, basically margin in life will be needed for us to shift when God interrupts. We have to have margin in our life. You know, margin is the difference between um, the money that you have and what you owe, right? That's one way to describe it. It's also, in, in life, it could be um, the time you have and the things you have to do. So do we have more time than the things we have to do? Most of us are probably like this, right? There's not a lot of margin in there. Or maybe we're overbanked on things to do and time to get it done. Or maybe we're just so set in our ways that there's no margin to make a transition. I mean, if you look at Joseph and Mary and Jesus' story after Matthew 1, it's amazing. I mean, first of all, Joseph, after a dream breaks all customs and takes Mary to be his wife. Then an angel comes and says, go to Egypt. He wakes up and they go to Egypt. Then a dream, uh, in a dream, an angel comes and says, go back to Israel. And as he's there, it says, but don't go to Judea. Four times 
there was this margin in, in Joseph's life where he went, he changed, he transitioned. You know, Joseph got to be the stepfather to, to God. And um, he had an influence on his life. You know, Jesus was the son of a carpenter. That's how he was known. I think that'd be a pretty hard role to be the father of God. And I would imagine that the way he started out set the, set the way that it needed to happen. When the angel spoke, Joseph woke up and did. You know, there's four times. Verse 25 says this, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. That would be so hard. Everybody's already saying, oh, you, you broke the marriage vows. You didn't do it right. And, and you know what? In his life, he had room to go ahead and do what, what he was supposed to do, no matter what other people thought, no matter what direction it looked like they were going, no matter what the future held, even though he didn't know. He was able to shift. Sometimes God needs to interrupt us so that we can shift and be ready for what he might have for us. I mean, what does he have for us this year? I have no clue. But do I have room in my life to let it be interrupted? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this Christmas morning. Thank you so much for sending Jesus to be with us. That he did the work on the cross to save us. Thank you that um, Joseph was so obedient that he, he allowed his life to be interrupted. And because of that, Mary wasn't stoned Jesus wasn't killed by Herod. He wasn't killed by Herod's son. But he was able to, to do his public ministry. Father, let us be flexible to be able to shift in our lives where you're working and where you're pointing. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.